invite you to turn in the back of the hymn book again to page 921, 921, as we use these words of the Westminster Confession of Faith this morning as a reminder of what are the attributes of God, a sermon series that we started a number of weeks ago. Um, tonight we begin a series on the whole of the confession as well, but for the mornings it's the, these attributes of God, and we'll be reading together the words that are found under chapter 2, section 1, page 921, where it uh, gives to us those attributes of God. Together then, there is but one only living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will, for his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. We turn then in God's word this morning to the book of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. The attribute of God that we'll be looking at this morning and actually for the next three Sunday mornings, the Lord willing, is this love of God. What is this? The love of God, amazing love, how can it be? John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son 
to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love. Cast out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God. And hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. As far as the reading of God's word, let's again bow in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to open your word. And we ask your blessing on this word this morning. Be with Pastor Bob uh, as he as he brings this to us. And dear Father, um, if we've learned anything in the recent past, that this world is immersed in fear, but your perfect love casts out fear. And dear Father, we pray that um, through the preaching of your word this morning that, uh, that we will be strengthened by this. And Father, also, that if there are hearts out there that need your spirit, need your prompting, that you would use this as you see fit. That um, uh, hearts of stone will be turned to hearts of flesh and understand the love of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is his precious name alone that we pray. Amen. And amen. As we examine this particular phrase that we find in 1 John chapter 4 two, on two occasions, that phrase, God is love, we want to look at it under these three headings. First of all, the specific word. Secondly, the surrounding context. And thirdly, the scriptural teaching. Understanding, as I just mentioned a few moments ago, that we're going to be coming back to this theme, uh, particularly next Lord's Day. What is this perfect love that is spoken of in this chapter? But for this morning, the specific word, secondly, the surrounding context, and thirdly, the scriptural teaching. So we're starting under the microscope. We're starting by taking one word, that is found in 1 John chapter 4 in the phrase, God is love. And we're taking the word love and we're putting it under a microscope. And we're examining that one word. Then we're going to take the word and put it in its context. What are we being told in the larger context of this chapter, and then to place it in the larger scriptural context in which we will simply share a number of passages from God's word, reminding us that 
the entirety of God's word speaks of God's love. The specific word. Well, first of all, we have to be uh, reminded that originally this is written in Greek, right? And the Greek language is very precise in many ways. It, it, it gives very clear understanding of words when we put them in the context in which they are used. It's very expressive in its form. English, not so much. The English language in many ways does a horrible job of being specific. Let's just use the word love. And think of the ways and the situations in which we use it and look at the imprecision of what we mean. I love ice cream. I love Michigan football. I love a sunny day. I love a rainstorm with lightning and thunder and pelting rain, then giving, away, giving way to sunshine. I love that dress my wife is wearing today. I love my wife. I love God. Does that word mean the same thing in all of those contexts? In all of those situations? Well, no. I, 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 we, but we use it. See, it's imprecise. Greek is not that way. So the Greek language in, in the New Testament, we, we have three different terms, or the Greek language had three different terms. For love, there, there was... Eros, the idea of erotic love, romantic love, intimacy, infatuation with another's beauty, captivation okay, with a person, with an individual. So if they wanted to talk about that, they, they knew which word to use. If they wanted to talk about the, the love of friendship, the love of brotherhood, the, the love of loyalty... Well, then they used uh, another word, philea. And if they wanted to talk about the love in one's family or love for one's country or a natural attachment that one would have for something, then they used the word storge. God is love. Which one of those is it? It's none of those. Because Greek also had a fourth word and there are some who say yeah it was in secular Greece and they used it and there's others who say eh, I think it's more of a term that the Holy Spirit has has come and delivered to the writers of the New Testament so whether it was used in classical Greek or whether it's a New Testament term one will, will probably never necessarily know the answer to that, but the term that is used here is agape. It's their fourth term of speaking of love. Used two times. Both times that we have the phrase in 1 John chapter 4, 
God is love. That word love is not one of those other three terms. It's agape. God is agape. God is love. Now, what does that term mean? Well, that word defined means unconditional self-sacrificing. God is unconditionally self-sacrificing. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Love, agape love, the self-sacrificing of God is part of who he is. So it's this idea of an unconditional self-sacrifice that is made. God is agape. There's, there's the word under a microscope. A selfless, an emptying. Right? And immediately, hopefully our minds go, right, to Philippians chapter 2. He emptied himself taking on the form of a servant. Self-sacrifice. Under the microscope. But let's just make a little adjustment, right? Let's look at this verse, that word, in the surrounding context. And in that surrounding context, let's just add the two other words to this now. God is. God is agape. So if we go back to the attributes we've already had, we would say this. That the all-knowing one, the one who is holy, the one who is spirit, is love. Is Agape. It's not that God just shows love. It's not that just God just demonstrates love. As we said when we, we came across the, the phrase, God is spirit, it's who he is. God is agape. His being is agape. He, he doesn't just think, well, th this is a good idea. This is what God is. In his being. In his existence. You cannot speak of God outside of love. Now we need to be careful. We need to be very careful. God is love. It's not the other way around. It's not love is God. That's what our society does. That's what the world does. The world flips these two words. And makes love 
some form of love, some ideal of love, into that which is to be worshipped. No, God is to be worshipped. But God in His being can never be separated from love. So as we speak about all of these other attributes of God, we must understand all of the attributes of God in terms of love, agape, his all-knowing, his holiness, his justice, his being spirit, his being all-wise, his being self-sufficient. In, in all that he is, he is love. Now, let's just put those two together, that self-sufficiency and love. See, God isn't swelled. God isn't filled. God isn't made greater by our love for him. It's not like God's going, boy, I just wish somebody would love me a little bit more. Oh, there's that human down there. They love me. Oh, I feel so much better. I feel so much more loved now. He is love. And the only way that you and I can love him is if he loves us. There is no agape apart from God. He is the source of all Agape. Agape doesn't live or exist on its own. You, you can't go to the store and buy agape. You, you can't read a book and get agape. You, you can only love because God is in us. And only because God is in us and God is agape can we love self-sacrificially. God is love. Agape love has its source only in God, but even more, even more. It is his free self-sacrifice that defines the very being of God. So, so why does John come to this? God is love. What, what, what's, what's going on now as we look at not just the word, but the phrase, but now as we look at it in the chapter, why is John talking to us about the fact that God is love? Three reasons. One, the passage is set in the midst of false teaching. There is false teaching that is starting to invade the church, that is starting to creep into the church. And so John begins by saying, you need to test. You need to test 
the spirits. You need to test the spirit of truth from the spirit of falsehood. And and you need to hear carefully what is the spirit of truth. Because the false teaching is downplaying this aspect of love. In fact, the false teachers are in a sense the opposite of this. They are puffed up. They are full of themselves. They are thinking themselves better than others. They're even thinking of themselves better than other Christians. They are beginning to rank Christians. They are beginning to say, oh, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's good, but but where are you in the ranking system? And only if you're up here with us, only if you have our knowledge, only if you have our insight, are you worth anything? John comes in and he says, how is that truth? When the very one that they claim to know so well is love. And love is not puffed up. Love is not self-seeking. Love is self-sacrificing. So in the context of the chapter, he's saying, you you folks in the church need to listen. You need to open your ears. You, You need to test the spirits. Is that which you are hearing truly the truth? Are you hearing the love of God? But it grows even more than that. It's interesting as you look through 1 John chapter 4, you have references or uh, ideas that lead you to the fact of, well, the Father is love, but then you see, The Son is love. He emptied himself. He gave himself. The Son has come into the world. He has died for mankind. Verse 10. But God so loved us that he sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sons, for our sins. And then he goes on to say, and this is through the Spirit. The Spirit also comes with the message of love. So in his being as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he is love. As the Father, he is agape. As Son, he is agape. As Spirit, he is agape. Why again? Eh, Because there's some rumors and some workings going on of... Uh, within the church by some of these false teachers downplaying some of this, downplaying uh, the humanity of Christ, downplaying the fact that Christ has come in the flesh. And they're kind of and, and John's point is, hey, listen, we were there. We were there. Christ had flesh. And in that flesh, not just in that divinity. But in his flesh, he showed us love. See, this love, this agape, is not just some theoretical thing that we think about and commit ourselves to. It has the practicality of laying down one's life. Even as Christ laid down his life. And now that the Spirit is in us, the Spirit of what? The Spirit of God. 
And what is God agape? Then then how should we be living? In that self-sacrificing way. Agape. Not because we're so wonderful. But because God, in his essence, is love. So that's John's third reason in this chapter, to draw us to this phrase on two occasions, God is love. So that we understand that we are to love because of God's presence. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Temples of agape love. That's what to mark our lives. As much as it marks the being of God, so it is to mark our existence. This is how we are to be known. The one phrase that kept coming down Through the first and second centuries as the church faced all sorts of persecution. So look at how they love one another. Look at how they love one another. Now just for a moment, let's open the blind and let's look outside into our world of today. Do we see much of this? Is that what we're, we're viewing in our world? Right? I don't want to sound like an old 60s song about what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Because I don't think they were thinking of this. But the world does need. The world does need the church. It's the proclaimer of agape love. This is what we're called to. This was John's point. How do you respond to to all of this false teaching? I know, get angry. Be hateful. No, love. Love. Because if you can't love your brother who you have seen, how can you love God who you can't? Now if we put this in the context of the whole book, this whole letter of John, not just the chapter, but the whole. John's point is to encourage us as believers of Jesus Christ in his day and because it is the living and active and breathed out word of God even today, to encourage you and I to live lives of love, of agape love. Self-sacrificing love. In spite of all the obstacles, in spite of all the numerous enemies, in spite of all the threats, love.
Oh, I know, we'd probably rather have it say something else. We'd probably rather have it, can't we just exact some ounce of vengeance? No, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. What's the essence of that? Do you ever stop to think about that? The Bible isn't just saying bring some liquid H2O to a person. Bring some food to a person. Who is the bread of life? Who is the water of life? It's bring them Christ. More than anything, bring them Christ. That's what they need. Bring them the message of love incarnate who laid down his life Amazing love, how can it be? God is amazing. How can it be? Because that is the very essence. He didn't decide to love. God never decides to love. God never makes a decision to love. God never says, well, today I'm going to be and show some love to somebody. Because God is love. He cannot help but love in all that he does. Which, of course, is going to bring to your mind the question, if that is true, then why is there so much ugliness and pain and sin? And that's why we can't handle it all in one sermon. That's why we got to come back again. Dig in. What does this mean? But for today, today, just grab on to, grab on to this truth that the Holy Spirit is inspiring John to bring to us. But here, my friends, not just the testimony from John. Hear the word of God. Hear the fullness of God's word. You see, we might be tempted, well, you know, John, he was the disciple that Jesus loved, and John's spending all his time leaning on Jesus. John's a little, meh. I know some people think that. Generally, not on the liberal end of things, but on the conservative end of things, there's people who want to discredit this. They want to say, oh, let's not pay so much attention to the fact that God is love. Let's instead say God is just, and let's demonstrate that. Now, you see, God's word isn't going to let us get away with that. We, we can't just pin this down to one disciple in one letter. We have to see the entirety of this message throughout God's word. In the book of Psalms, 
we read the following, Psalm 51. Oh, the context, the context is David, right? Confessing his sin of adultery and of murder. Have mercy on me, O God, according to what? Your steadfast love. Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 105. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 136, 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Forever, There is not a moment, there is not a moment where you and I, brother and sister in the Lord Jesus Christ, are outside that love of God. It is a steadfast love in the midst of all the problems, in the midst of all the heartache, in the midst of all the sin of this world. God is love. It doesn't stop. It endures Forever. It's always there. From the prophets. Moses, Exodus 34, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. This is God's own speech to Moses. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And you know what's just happened? Moses has just received that law of God, the entirety of that law, with all of its condemnations, with all of its judgments. Here comes God to Moses, and he says, Now, I want you to understand, Moses, that I am a God of steadfast love. Isaiah 54, 10, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. Nehemiah 9, 17, they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 15.13, greater love hath no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And then I think here comes, they're all stunning. But Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us. An unconditional love. Why? 
Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God is love. Amen? Amen.